Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we're going to continue in the fifth chapter of the book of Mark with verses 1 through 20. We were here last week, and Pastor Jim is going to park here in this passage for this week and one more in order to chew on various important lessons that we should take from these verses. Jesus encounters here the demon-possessed man as he gets out of the boat in the country of the Gerasenes. Now, we're not as familiar with the phenomenon of demon possession in our present time and culture, but they are still very real, and they are still at work opposing God and Christians. So, that being true, we would do well to know how they operate. Just as it's generally a good idea to study the opposing football team's strategies before you step onto the field with them. We'll take a deeper look at this encounter Jesus had with a legion of demons and what it means for us today as you follow along this week. Here is today's portion of the message entitled, Jesus' Power Over Demons, Part 2. Well, come back with me, please, to Mark chapter 5. I told you last time that uh, it was going to take at least two visits to this passage, and um, it's going to be three. I'll leave a little bit for next time, and we'll uh, add uh, some things to help you know how it all applies. There are many ways to, to, that, that you can rightfully describe the ministry of Jesus Christ. One that comes to mind directly pointing to the passage that we're studying is in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. John says, The Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. Now, in that context, he was talking about the works of the devil that go on every day, all the time, in the ministry of confusion and uh, um, and destruction that happens through false doctrine and false teachers and corrupting influences. And he was dealing with the earliest false teachers that infiltrated the church. Now, Jesus will indeed destroy all such things, as Paul calls them, speculations raised up against the knowledge of God. But he's going to do more than that to Satan and his demons. During the Millennial Kingdom, which we read about in Revelation 20, uh, they will all, that is Satan and all the demons, will be combined to a spirit prison in a place called the Abyss. Keep that word in mind for a little while. Uh, Eventually, they will all be dispatched to the lake of fire for eternity. But that's all future. In His first coming, Jesus didn't come to uh, do that Uh, kind of judgment, but he showed that he is God the Son in many ways, one of which was to demonstrate his absolute power over demons. And no passage more spectacularly demonstrates that than the one we're studying, Mark 5, 1 through 20. It's an event that's also recorded in Matthew 8 and in Luke 8. Now, in the Gospel of Mark, we've, we've already seen Jesus 
unmask, expose, and rebuke demons and send them running. So in a sense, this isn't a surprise, but today we continue to look again at what happened the day after Jesus calmed that life-threatening storm on the Sea of Galilee as they went across to where this event uh, took place. And we see the most spectacular encounter he ever had with demons. Now, as we work our way through chapter 5, verses 1 through 20, it breaks down pretty simply this way. There's the man from the tombs, first five verses, and then 6 through 13 shows the power of Jesus. 14 through 17 shows the unbelief and then the true faith in verses 18 through 20. Now, I'm not going to repeat everything from last week. There was a lot of background and uh, beginnings to this, but we do need to get ourselves up to speed. We met this man from the tomb starting in chapter 5, verse 1. They came to the other side of the sea into the country of the Gerasenes, and one of the Gospels calls it the country of the Gadarenes. That's because there was a coastal village named Garasa and a larger city that was kind of the county seat uh, called Gadara. So they're both the same thing. And it says in verse 2, When he got out of the boat, immediately a man from the tombs with an unclean spirit met him, and he had his dwelling among the tombs. Now, we know by comparing Matthew, Mark, and Luke that Matthew tells us there was another man with him. There were actually two men, but obviously one of them was the more dominant. One of them did the speaking for all of them after they initially came and cried out to Jesus. Now, by all standards of humanity, these men would be called monsters. They showed no evidence of conscience, no respect for property, no respect for other people. When you compare the three gospel records of them, you know that uh, this man or these men were always naked and screaming and so violent that everyone stayed away from that area. So for however long those guys were there, uh, nobody could use that cemetery. All the burials would have had to be on the other side of town. And it's even worse than that. Look in the middle of verse 3. And no one was able to bind him anymore, even with a chain, because he had often been bound in shackles and chains, and the chains had been torn apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces. And no one was strong enough to subdue him. So obviously they had tried, and, and apparently for a while, kept him subdued, but it, it couldn't be done anymore. And constantly, night and day... It says he was screaming among the tombs and in the mountains and gashing himself with stones. We're told in Luke that sometimes the demons drove him away from the coastal area there and just this screaming, raving lunatic or two were terrorizing that area. That's the man from the tombs. There's a lot more that you can get if you want to go back and listen to last Sunday's sermon in case you missed it or you have forgotten some of it. Then we began to see the power of Jesus. When Jesus shows up, the confrontation is electrifying to say the least. Starts in verse 6. Seeing Jesus from a distance, he ran up and bowed down before him and shouting with a loud voice, he said, What business do we have with each other, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God, do not torment me. 
For Jesus had been saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Remember we pointed out that this man recognized Jesus from a distance. How could that be? Jesus had never been there. They'd never met before. Well, it was the demons inside this man who'd known for a long time who Jesus is. And throughout Jesus' life, you see this uh, phenomenon that the demons know immediately who He is. And actually, it's, it's kind of ironic in the Gospel of Mark, until you get to the end, it's always the demons who are the ones who say correctly who Jesus is, and uh, men don't. Mark recorded um, the same thing that happened in the synagogue in Capernaum. Remember in chapter 1, Jesus showed up and a man in the synagogue was, uh, had a demon in him, obviously showing how demons usually work. Respectful, nice guy, part of, the, part of the spiritual life. But when Jesus shows up, the demon panics and screams out and Jesus sent him packing. Last time I showed you also the significance of the titles Most High God and Son of the Most High God. So review all that if you, if you need to. But the, the point is to understand demons know exactly who Jesus is. They know good theology. They just don't submit to it. Uh, what these demons do and say shows that uh, among them and their demon, I guess you'd say, brothers... They understand the biblical doctrine of God, the doctrine of Christ, the doctrine of man, the doctrine of sin, the doctrine of salvation, the doctrine of end times. And by the way, they understand the rest of the doctrines do, and they, too, and they undermine them all, confuse them all. That's why the New Testament makes a, a big deal out of saying that saving faith is more than just mental understanding of truth. Now, that's crucial. You can't be saved apart from the truth about Jesus Christ. But it's more than just that. I showed you James 2.19 that says, The demons also believe that, you know, the doctrine of God, that He's one. They believe and they shudder. Well, look again with me at Mark chapter 5. We're going to pick it up in the middle of verse 7 and plow ahead into new ground. Notice that the demons, or demon says, I implore you by God, do not torment me. Luke adds another detail to that. In Luke 8.31, he says, They, because we're going to find out in a minute, there was more than one demon, they were imploring him not to command them to go away into the abyss. I mentioned that word a minute ago. The abyss is a place where some of the demons are imprisoned. Now, some are there permanently. The ones who committed a specific sin in, in the days of Noah. Uh, we, I've called it the strangest sin of all time. We have a pamphlet with that title on it if you want to look it up online or out in the, or out in the foyer. Some of the demons are imprisoned there permanently. They're only going to be let out of the abyss to be transferred to the eternal lake of fire. But there are some demons that are there temporarily. How do we know that? We know that because some demons are unleashed from there in the book of Revelation in chapter 9. And they are going to be allowed to wreak havoc during the last part of the tribulation, not long before Jesus returns. In our Wednesday night studies on the book of Revelation... We took some time last spring for a side trip on biblical demonology, and we looked at all of what the Bible says about demons. 
if you weren't here and if that's not something you know very If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.